Hey, I'm Spencer Powell and welcome to Remodeler Stories, where we highlight remodelers. Every remodeler has a unique story and journey and we can all learn from each other. Stay tuned for a mix of inspiration, tactical tips, unique strategies, and some laughter. The remodeling business is tough, but rewarding, and we're all in this together. Let's kick this thing off. Before we get into today's show, let's talk about our show sponsor, Remodeler Growth Community. Remodeler Growth Community is a peer-to-peer networking group exclusively for remodelers. For a low monthly fee, you get access to some of the best minds in the industry, life-changing business strategies, and the ability to connect and learn from people who've walked the path you walk. Go to remodelercommunity.com to enroll today. 100% satisfaction guaranteed or your money back, so there's absolutely no risk to you. Go to remodelercommunity.com to enroll today. Today, I sit down with Brad Hogan of Hogan Design and Construction. Brad started at HDC as a laborer and worked his way up the ladder to his current role as COO. Having seen things from every position in the company has allowed Brad to be fully invested in all operations. This also comes in handy in his role as head of sales. Brad really listens to the needs of the customers and can help create a project where all needs are addressed. In every job that Brad has had, he has always worked his way into a position where people look to him for guidance. Brad has been instrumental in developing the processes that make Hogan Design and Construction stand out in their industry. Striving to improve the customer experience makes Brad a natural for the chief operating officer position, and Brad currently lives in St. Charles with his wife and three children. Now for my conversation with Brad Hogan. Hey, Brad. Welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. Give everyone a little bit of context. Who are you? What's the company and where are you guys located? So I'm Brad Hogan. I'm the chief operating officer at Hogan Design and Construction. We are a commercial residential remodeler and we do about $8 million a year and we're in the kind of far west suburbs of Chicago. Okay. Right on. So how did the company get going? So my brother is the owner of the company and he started the company in 2000 and the three previous years before that, he had been flipping houses hmm. and he grew very frustrated with the amount of contractors that he would have to call in order to get somebody to come out to give him a bid for something. And then even if he gave the that contractor the bid, how difficult it was to get them scheduled and how difficult it was to get it lined up. And he said, I feel like I can do this better. And so he started the company kind of on that premise and we have kind of grown from that. Gotcha. So when did you join the company? So I actually came on in 2002. Interestingly enough, at the time I was selling insurance, I actually had zero background in construction at all. In high school, I would have never thought that I would be in construction. I was, I, I played sports and I had didn't really have a strong desire to do anything outside of that. And so then I tried a bunch of different things as I after I graduated high school. But when he hired me on, I, I he said to me, I can pay you $10 an hour because that's all you're worth to me. And he said, so learn, get better. And the more you learn, the more the more you can do, the more I'll pay you. And I'm here 21 years later. So apparently something worked out. <laughs> Dang, yeah, that's cool. Well, I'm curious, how was year one coming into a new world, new environment, but also working right alongside your brother? There were some challenges to it. I mean, I, not really knowing anything like I... I focused on making sure the job site was real clean. So like I I was constantly sweeping and, but always asking questions and kind of trying to figure things out. 
Brian, my brother was, he was on the job site initially, kind of probably for the first like three or four months that I was there. But then he kind of split off and started focusing more on the business and the sales and things like that. And then there was a carpenter there that that trained me and and kind of taught me the way. So the first year, I mean, it was it was rough. Like I, I was making a lot more money selling insurance. <laughs> and I wasn't getting nearly as dirty, but it was, I could see the potential. And so it it just kind of, I kind of stuck through it and did the, the demolition and the cleanup and the insulation and the dirty work and kind of just kept hoping for that opportunity to start doing a little bit more carpentry work. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And so was that a couple of years in or when, when did you kind of advance from doing the dirty work, learning and then, yeah, moving? I would say probably a year into it, I started doing more of the carpentry work and, and for whatever reason, I kind of gravitated towards framing carpentry. I, I don't know that I had the patience or the eye for the, the finished carpentry, but the, the framing carpentry, we did a lot of basements at that time. And so we would be starting two basements a week. And so I got a lot of practice at it and it made sense to me. I understood it. And so I did that for probably right after about the first year. And I did it for probably three years where I was just kind of on the crew and then eventually kind of got promoted to the head of the crew when it came to the framing stuff. And yeah, it was fun. Like, like I said, two basements a week, we'd start one on Monday, start one on Wednesday afternoon and just kind of knock them out. So nice. That's yeah. cool. So yeah, I guess take me through like, you know, from there, did you just kind of work your way up the chain? Like then you were project manager and then you like, I'm I'm curious, walk me through, you know, getting to COO. You know? Where I am now. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, so it was very much like that. So after, after leading the framing crews, I did that for probably four years or so it started becoming pretty evident that Brian needed help with something. He didn't, it wasn't clear what, but he was wearing all the hats. He was doing everything. And it started being clear that he needed help somewhere. And the natural kind of progression was project manager. So I took over managing projects at the peak of my project management experience. I was managing 32 projects at one time. And I was running around like a chicken with my head cut off, just trying to make sure that we front of the house stuff with the customer looked good. They were, they could see us that we were there, but back of the house, it was crazy. Like we were just kind of run trying to figure it all out. Eventually I landed on kind of a promotion into a production manager, but we didn't really know what that meant. And so while I got promoted, I wasn't really doing that yet. I was still kind of project managing. And then we joined Remodelers Advantage. I joined their production roundtable, and I just sat for a year just listening to them and trying to take it in and understand what I was supposed to be doing. And as I did that, then it started becoming more clear that we needed to have project managers underneath me. They would be managing projects. And so I rolled into that production manager role. I was there for, let's see, I was 2013 till 2019. So I was about six years in the production manager role. And then at that point, I started selling more and that chief operating officer role, one of our project managers got promoted into the production manager role. I kind of took over managing all the different assets, facets of the business, you know, our design department and that sales department and all that. And that kind of leads me to where I'm at now. I I, I do a, a, the majority of our sales, but, and then the, I'm, I'm the chief operating officer. So. Yeah, that's cool. One of the things that I like that you described it, you know, we put on the good face for the customer, but like back of the house, it was chaos. I feel like that's what business is a lot of the times. It's not always like that, right? But you go through seasons of it and it's usually in a time of like aggressive growth or 
you're making big changes. Like maybe you're trying to improve your customer experience. And so you're rehauling the whole system and it's messy during that, you know, and it's like, it gets worse before it gets better. Does any of that resonate or does that trigger any like moments in time during that journey that you can talk about? Absolutely. Absolutely. At, at, At one point, the back of the house was so messy when I was, when I first took over the production manager role, I, I, it became clear that me running 32 projects didn't make any sense. And so (laughs) (laughs) we started distributing projects to carpenters, Hmm. trying to almost do like a lead carpenter system, but we didn't we didn't have it so that our carpenters were f- at one job site for an extended period of time they were bouncing around and so i mean at one point like we had six project man or six carpenters managing projects that sometimes they weren't even at for a week or two and it, like and it was it was so chaotic but again the customer experience from their end it seemed like they were getting what it was but then kind of the epiphany moment we had tim fowler out to mm-hmm. do an assessment of us and he said, this is not going to work. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah. And he said, you guys need to pick two of the people who are carpenters, make them project managers, give them the projects, let them manage it, put everybody else back in the field and let them do that. And that was a kind of, that was one, I would say that there, there were probably four very significant turning points in our journey. And that was one of them for sure. Like that definitely started steering the production into a place where it made sense. People mm-hmm. were having clear job responsibilities and tasks for each project. And so, yeah, it was, that was, that was, I would say a big, big turning point. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Well, now I'm curious, you mentioned there were four big turning points. What are the other ones that stick out to you? So builder trend was, Mm. was first. That was, uh, that was pre (laughs) Tim Tim Fowler, because when I was managing 32 projects, I needed someplace I could see those calendars and understand Mm -hmm. where it was at. And that was all I used it for at first was just the calendar, but it helped me. So the software was a big one. Tim Fowler was the second one. The third one was moving me out of production. Mm-hmm. Like that changed a lot of the things because yep. even when I was at the tail end of me doing production, I was still selling at that point. And it was, I was a little bit spread thin. And so there were areas where production was suffering because of me mm-hmm. being taking on too many roles, kind of like what happened with my brother to begin with. And then we did the traction or EOS operating. That was another big one because it, it, yeah. It's one of those ones that takes, I remember previous to EOS going into meetings and being like, I hate meetings. I hate them. It's just such a waste of time. And then when you get into EOS, it it structures your meetings so that the meetings are actually very, very, very useful and it helps kind of facilitate things. So yeah, that's good. How long have you guys been running EOS? We have been running it since the ha- halfway through 2019. So it was actually one of the first things I did as a COO. We we tried to roll it out about a year and a half earlier unsuccessfully. And then as when I got into that COO role, it was one of the first things I did is I read the book and then I started kind of implementing what the plan was to get it rolled out. So yeah, yeah, that's cool. And so you said you're mostly in sales now. What was that transition like from mostly in production to sales? So it's it's interesting because because of kind of seeing the whole spectrum of what happens in a construction business, sales can come naturally. Now it also I've gone through some sales training as well, which because mm-hmm. there's some things that it, they brought to my attention that I do that are like it probably might rub people the wrong way or whatever it might be. And so there's but being in the sales, it's nice because I can kind of speak to every aspect of the project, whether it's something as simple as, you know, dust control all the way up to, you know, 
selections and cabinet layouts and all that because I've worked through all of it. And so it was it was a it was a little bit of a transition, but in in 2020 was when we made the kind of the full switch over. And you know, when COVID hit, it was a little scary for me for a minute. But then once that kind of passed, not passed, but once people kind of got their head around it, mm-hmm. the sales gates opened up and it made it, it made it a little bit easier for me to kind of wrap my head around. It. And then during that time I developed the design department and because we we used to subcontract all of our design and then now we do a lot of it in-house. And so it's uh, it's it was uh yeah it was a it was a transition but it was it was fun. yeah Hey guys, thanks for listening to the podcast. If you didn't know, we're also on YouTube. Just search Builder Funnel TV and we have some exclusive content that we share over there that doesn't always make it onto the podcast. But otherwise, let's get back to the show. I'm assuming that you're glad you made that transition to design in-house. What w- what was the big hurdle there in in making that shift, you know, from outsourcing to to bringing it in? Consistency of design packet is mm. is what I would say the biggest thing was because we were doing it with at the time we had probably four different designers that we were using mm. and it would get four different design packets and then so when we brought it in house we we basically hired a design manager and then a designer and tried to make that work mm-hmm. but taking all of kind of the strong pieces of each of their design packets and putting it into one thing but I mean I what I'll tell you even to this day that design packet is ever evolving <laughs> like yeah. it, Every meeting we have, we're like, could we add this? This could we, you know, take this out? We don't need this anymore. That kind of thing. So, but it, but it is that's probably the biggest hurdle. Selling the design is always the easiest part, but getting the designs accurate and and so that the customers can understand it, that's that's the harder part. So, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Well, I, I'm curious, you know, business growth, entrepreneurship, running a business, all of the, kind of that bucket, different than many career paths. What do you think has surprised you the most about operating and running a business how many different categories you touch like the how mm-hmm. like you know when 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 i got in i mean when my brother got into it and then i joined you know I, I didn't know what i wanted to do i know that i like my brother i know that i wanted to work with him and so you know the carpentry piece i, I was talking to a, a customer yesterday about this i said when i was doing the carpentry piece i enjoyed it I think the part I enjoyed the most was that when I was done at four o'clock, I didn't have to think about it anymore until the next day, but I didn't have that same kind of like gratification. Like my cousin who also works for us when he would finish, you know, doing a built-in or whatever, he would be taking pictures and posting it online. And he was, and for me, it was, it was, I always enjoyed the interaction with the customers a little bit more than that. So, but you know, you, you start with the carpentry and the, and the actual, the, the labor, then the project management piece and that understanding budgets and schedules and all of that. But then when you get into the 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 sales end, and it's a lot of psyche where you're trying to understand the customer and what they're thinking, what they're feeling, what is their pain points and all that. So it's just interesting how much construction touches from, you know, and then marketing is a, is a huge piece. Like there's, we've tried every, every trick in the book and the internet is the one that works the best. <laughs> so mm-hmm. you know, it's yeah. just interesting to find all the different kind of things that you learn as you go. Yeah, yeah. No, it's so true. I mean, you really, it's like you build deep expertise, but then you have to go broad again and learn a new skill set. And then you kind of go deep and and then you find yourself, you do go go deep in a lot of areas, but at some point you do have to let go and go, okay, I can't go all the way because right. you have to go broad enough. So yeah. All right. Shifting gears a little bit in construction, there's always like 
wacky client stories, crazy projects, stuff that goes haywire. You've been doing this over 20 years, so there's got to be a couple of gems in there. Anything come to mind that you can share? Obviously, leave out personal details and stuff. Yeah. So uh, we had a customer, they were doing a basement. It was a very high-end basement. And they had a real hard time with colors. So... You know, even like when, when we were standing something or painting something, they, they had a real hard time envisioning it and understanding what it was. And so most people, contractors, you know, there's a couple of different ways that you approach paint. You give people a paint wheel. Some people will look through that paint wheel and say, that's the paint I want. Easy enough. You pick that paint, you paint everything, and you're good. You have other customers that will say, okay, here's three or four different paints. I'd like to see them up on the wall. Fine. We'll do that as well. This particular customer would let us paint the entire basement before they would say, this isn't right. <laughs> and we did it four times. Whoa, <laughs> and nice. they paid for it, but yeah. they did it four times where they painted the entire basement and then said, no, we're going to change this color. We want to do this, we want to do that. And it was, that was an interesting one. Like we, it, they had the money to do it. So more power to them, but like that, that's, that was a, a wacky one for sure. Yeah. I resonate with that a little bit because I'm one of those people where, especially when you're picking out like, a paint and a tile and a carpet. And you're looking at these little two by two sections of them. And you're like, what's this going to look like when it's big? You know? <laughs> so we did yeah. when, when we were painting my house, one of the, my, one of the first houses I moved into, I did an accent wall and the, the color that I picked was touch of gray mm -hmm. and touch of gray is actually kind of purple. <laughs> <laughs> and so like they put it on the wall and I'm like, yeah, no, we got to repaint this wall. But fortunately it was only one wall and I didn't make them paint the rest of the house with it. But yeah. Oh man. That's funny. Yeah. Either. I feel like colors either got it or you don't, you know, right, you, for sure. So what do you think just reflecting back on, on the journey, what do you think has been one of the toughest parts about growing a business? Training, Training. Is, is the biggest mm -hmm. thing. When we started out, you know, it was me and my brother and my cousin and the the thing that you could tell between the three of us was that we all cared about mm -hmm. the business and we cared about how well, how we represented ourselves we cared about what the image was that we portrayed to people and you know as you're hiring and training that's not what you get most of the time like it's and it and it's once in a while we found some gems absolutely we found some people who get it and they just kind of clicked but more often than not we find that we're trying to, you know, fit a, a square peg into a round hole. Mm -hmm. And we've learned recently that we are not doing that anymore. Like now we're going to spend a lot more time on the training and the, the developing. And then when we get to that 90 day kind of test market, if it's not working, it's not working. We're going to move on and find somebody who will work. But yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Train. Yeah. That's a tough one. Right, is, is there one or two things that you guys have done in the training bucket to help alleviate that challenge? I, I feel like it's always there, but... What I recently did, and we're, we're kind of, this is, we actually haven't actually implemented this yet, but the way that I, I started looking at each, each of the positions in the company, and I said, let's take the 12 things that make this person successful in this role, mm -hmm. like whether it's, you know, scheduling or, you know, customer communication. And then after we took those 12 things, we outlined what it is that it takes to be successful and then when we look at what it is, we're going to look at how we can train on those items. Because when we hire somebody, they might be able to hit on four, six, eight of those things, but the other four might not come as naturally to them. And so for us to just say, well, you just got to do this. 
it doesn't work. And so to say, here's what we're, here's how we're going to train them. You know, customer communication is, is hugely important to us. And so what, what we can do, you know, like, let's say like we have an expectation of text and phone calls returned within an hour, if feasible, you know, if you're in an inspection yeah. or something like that. Right. But within an hour, that's the goal. Emails within 24 hours, that kind of thing. And so rather than just set that expectation and then find out three months later that they're not doing that, we can test them by putting a, a schedule together where I'm sending something and Brian's sending something ahead of our design department. And we're sending it from 10 different angles so that we can see how they're managing it, how they're putting it together, and then how they're getting it back out to us so that it's not getting lost in the shuffle. That kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah, that's cool. How'd you come up with 12, 12 things? Honestly, it was part of my sales training. Okay. <laughs> it was one of the San- Sandler, I did San- Sandler sales training and they had indicated that this would be a good way to train people. So Gotcha. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that uh, seems like a great model. I mean, figure out what are the things that this role needs to do and then try to hire people that have 70, 80% of the things. And yeah, teach teach the other 20 or 30%, right? Yep, yep, exactly. Well, what's the future of the business look like? Where are you guys trying to, to go from here? You know, honestly, right now we are, for the first time since we've been in business, we're focusing on improving the gross profit and mm-hmm. a lot less on growing. We've we've grown several times. And like you were saying before, the, the the bumps in the road sometimes are real big and they're they're hard to overcome. And so we're what we're trying to do now is make it so that we're more profitable. And then if we decide to, we can grow and we can grow at a smaller pace, but then it's a little bit more controlled and we can understand it. So that's I, I right now for business, I would say that the biggest thing is just to improve the gross profit. We're, we we want to make more money without having to charge a ton more and just be more efficient in, in, in the roles and the people that we have. So, yeah. 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 And in that last line, you said you don't want to charge a ton more. So is the goal you guys are just looking at efficiency? How do we do a few more projects a year with the same resources, that sort of thing? Correct. Yep. Yeah. We're looking at bandwidth for project managers and seeing what they can and can't handle, kind of assessing them individually because we have some that can handle more than others and that kind of thing. And then, you know, back of the house stuff, we have people, you know, our admin that again, we can push some of the stuff onto them. And we just want to make sure that we are maximizing the people that we have as opposed to bringing more people on and, 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 and really just making sure that we're getting the most out of the people that are here. So, yeah, yeah, that's great. You mentioned earlier briefly marketing and you found like tried a bunch of things. The internet works the best, not so much lead channels, but I'm curious, how do you Think about your uniqueness in the marketplace and like how you guys are different. And when you go to market, you know, yeah, what makes you unique? So when I when I talk to people about when I go on a sales call and I'm I'm actually kind of talking through it with them, the first thing that I talk about, you know, I'll 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 walk through the space with them, talk through all what they want to do. And I say one of the things that we do that's different than most companies is that we start every project with a design contract. Mm-hmm. There's we're not gonna, I'm not gonna just bid this. I said there's it's it's too much me throwing a dart at a dartboard and I said it's it's just too inaccurate and so that's one of the things that's where one of the key points is then as we get into the design phase we talk about how and again this is a little different than some other companies too we want to design the space how you want it and if that comes in and it's too much money for what you want to spend then we want to talk about how we can bring it back to a place where you're more comfortable more mm-hmm. phase it or whatever it might be I think a lot of companies get stuck with stuck with the budget, you know, like we, yeah. we only want to spend this much. And so then you're limiting what you can show them and yeah. we don't want to do that. We want to show them what's possible. And if they decide 
you know what, maybe I can find some more money to do that accent wall or whatever it is that they want to do that kind of creates the space for them. We allow them to make the decisions themselves. And then ultimately, kind of the whole thing that we the company was founded on is our project management and mm-hmm. commun- customer communication. And we just we take a lot of pride in that piece. We want customers to know how much we appreciate them picking us. And by doing so, we I mean, one of the I, I talk about a couple of cool things that our project managers do, and they do this kind of just because it it gives the customer a better experience. But last year we had a, we had some pretty significant snowfalls in the Chicagoland area. Mm-hmm. So Sunday night, I get a phone call from one of my project managers. He's like, Hey, I want to run a plow and I want to plow my customer's driveways. Is that cool? And I'm like, yeah, that's really yeah, cool. I love that's that. Super idea. Cool, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I said, then another project manager, he's a big coffee drinker. And so like he, what he does is he talks to his his customers. He finds out what they drink, and when he has their his meetings with them, he always shows up with their coffee. So, so just little stuff like that. Like the project managers are are going above and beyond, along with delivering on the stuff, the schedule, the budget, and and the finished product. So yeah, yeah, that's cool. No, that's great. Well, the last two three years have been pretty wild for the industry. Feels like things are settling out a little bit there's still challenges what do you think are the the big hurdles that kind of industry-wide we should be looking at thinking about like what are we going to go through the next couple of years yeah i mean well i mean the economy is is the one that i'm sure everyone talks about right now it's uh, for us we're I, we've actually kind of positioned ourselves in the market as like a higher end remodeler mm-hmm. and by doing so the economy doesn't affect us quite the same way as, you know, like the, the the smaller shops, just because the smaller shops are taking the jobs that we typically don't do because they're, they're not in our wheelhouse or whatever. But yeah, I think the economy is going to play a big role in our, our, our next couple of years, you know, design, design trend changes. I think white is starting to fade out finally, which is kind of nice. I, 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 I like the white, but I mean, it, it's, you know, when you do seven years of white on white on white on white, it's nice to see some black or some blue or some green or <laughs> wood tones yeah. or whatever. So, but I'm excited to see that, that kind of come through. Yeah. We could throw some color in there. That might be nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, Brad, wrap us up. There's other remodelers out there listening. One piece of advice or final words of wisdom. What do you want to leave us with? Change comes one step at a time. So a lot of I mean, a lot of times I, I just to give you a quick when I joined Remodelers Advantage those first year or so when I would go to those meetings I would come out of that meeting and I would have a list of 130 things that I needed to change in our business mm-hmm. and I would be so overwhelmed and so and they would say smart goals use three do three things and those three things led to three other things and it's interesting now looking back at that list that I made in 2011 everything is either moot or has been done yeah. from that list because I was doing it one step at a time. So just don't get overwhelmed. Look at that one next smart move, work on that, and then move on to the next one. I love it. Yep. Great advice. Well, Brad, thanks for uh, carving out the time and sharing your story with us today. Absolutely. Thank you very much for having me. I, I, I had a lot of fun. Thanks for tuning in to Remodeler Stories. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave us a review. Every month we pick a winner and send out a free copy of my book, The Remodeler Marketing Blueprint. Just leave a review over on iTunes to enter to win. See you next time.